Welcome to Leading Lights. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more information and resources. We are talking about a little church called the Church of Philippi. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about this church so that you know why we're making such a big deal about it. The series is called Overflowing Joy because every time this church is mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned as being full of joy. So overflowing joy. We're looking for why did this church, this tiny little group of Christians, have joy more than anyone else so that we can get something of that joy. The second line of this series is called The Little Church That Changed the World. Now, you know that Paul started many churches. If I mention some of the names of some of the churches that Paul started, you would recognize them. But the church of Philippi was different. It was different because it was tiny. It was different because it had a different uh, racial mix in it. It was different because it was out of the way from all the other churches that he started. It was in a different area. And it was different because he never even planned to go there. He was just kind of trying to go somewhere and he wasn't sure where he was going. And eventually the Lord led him to Philippi. And yet, Philippi was his favorite church. Philippi was the church that he loved so much. In Philippians 4 verse 1, he says, my beloved, twice in one sentence, he calls them his brethren, and he calls them his joy and his crown. They were by far his favorite church. Let me just read you Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He just can't be kind enough to them. He loves this little group of Christians. There is no other church out of all the churches in the New Testament where Paul said, you are sharing my grace. But in Philippians 1 verse 7, he said that to the Philippians. There's no other church where he said, my God will supply your needs. But he said it to the Philippians. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 9, and various other places, he says to other big churches, you guys didn't give me financial support, but the Macedonians or the Philippians, it's the same place, he said they did. He always mentioned the Philippians or the Macedonians as being his partners or his fellow workers in the gospel. They were his beloved church. And the thing that makes them so strange, which is so surprising, is that Corinth, you know, he wrote the book of Corinthians. Corinth was a city of at least 100,000 people, probably much more. Ephesus, book of Ephesians, several hundred thousand people, a massive cosmopolitan center. Colossae, Colossians. There were 50,000 Jewish people in Colossae, which means there were probably another 100 or 200,000 others. Thessalonica, Thessalonians, which is the, the next town that he visited kind of on the way down after Philippi, had at least 200,000 people. These were all big cities. They were hubs. They were centers of commerce and lots going on. And everyone knew about these cities. You know how many people Philippi had? 
I've done some research. One researcher says 2,000 people. Another researcher says 10,000 people. Nobody says more than 15,000 people. Philippi was a tiny little village. Now someone will say to me, ah, but Acts chapter 16 says that Philippi was the foremost town in that area. Yes, but the, the area that it's talking about was a tiny little area where there was just nothing. It was a wasteland. It was the biggest town in its area, but compared to all the other big churches and towns that Paul visited, it was tiny. Plus it was Greek and Roman. All the other towns where Paul went was made up a lot of Jewish people and then there were Greeks and Romans but there were hardly any Jewish people in Philippi he couldn't even find 10 Jewish men he had to go to a river where there were some people praying because there was no synagogue it was Greek mainly and then the Romans had come in and taken over and started sending their retired army generals to Philippi and giving them plots of land to farm and so there was this Greek Roman conflict going on but hardly any Jewish people. It was a different race of people than Paul knew. They were also poor. We're told in 2 Corinthians 8 that they had great poverty and great affliction. They were ignored. They used to be a rich town because there used to be gold mines there, but the gold had run out and there was nothing left. And Philippi, if you look at a map of all of Paul's travels, Philippi is right up in the north. It's out of the way. And I want you to see this tiny little village that everyone else ignored, that had nothing going for it, that was under affliction and poverty and trial, and there was all sorts of issues, and Paul had never even intended to go there, ended up being his beloved church, who partnered with him and financially supported him and paid for his travels all around the world. They impacted the whole world more than the big churches, the fancy glitzy churches. And I'm so encouraged because I live in a little town, in a little place, which most people don't even know exists. Did you know that? <laughs> most people in the world don't even know we exist. It's true. And yet, as we've said in previous weeks, this little church can and does impact planet earth because of something about us that is the same as the philippian church and why i'm so excited is because if they had the joy the overflowing joy that the bible talks about it mentions joy and cheerfulness and thanksgiving i think it's 20 times in the book of philippians and then in other places it just talks about them as being joyful people if they had it we can get it out of all the churches in the planet we can be like the Philippian church. So I'm going to read you a passage from Philippians chapter 2. And then I'm going to show you how it applied to them, the Philippians. And how it applies to Paul. And how it applies to us. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, whenever the Bible tells us to do something, I've said this before, but we can go into this mode of let me try and do this, or we can see it as a mirror and say, I've already got this. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, you already have the mind of Christ. Do you remember that verse? 
It says you have the mind of Christ. And here he says, let this mind of Christ be in you. Whenever God tells you to do something, it's because he's already given it to you. There's a little key there. That's the beauty of the Bible. It's a mirror that tells you to do something, but then says, I've already put it in you. And it's such a beautiful truth. And so as you're reading this, don't read it as a heavy duty upon you. Read it as, ah, look what God has already given me. He says, let this mind be in you, which was, already, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Other versions say he emptied himself. And taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because of this, because Jesus willingly put aside his majesty and he took on human form and then weak human form, he came as a baby, a vulnerable baby to an oppressed nation uh, in poverty and he lived in weakness and eventually he submitted to death on a cross because he humbled himself like that. And he's saying, let the same mind be in you. Because Jesus put aside his majesty and humbled himself to serve others, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I want to investigate this little passage and find out how we can live like this, because that's what the Philippians did, and that's why they had joy. So we're going to put a verse up on the screen, which is John chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. And this is Jesus just before he's about to die on the cross. This is the Last Supper. And it says in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. The picture is of Jesus, the, the mighty king of the universe, but he's eating supper with his disciples on the last night before he's about to be crucified. And it says because he knew that God had given him everything, because he knew where he was coming from, from God, because he knew where he was going to, to God, he was able to be humble, take off his fancy clothes, put a towel around his waist, and like a servant, kneel down with a basin of water and start washing his disciples' feet because he knew who he was he was secure in who he was he could lay aside the glory that the rest of the world grasps for and he could serve as a humble servant and wash the dirty grimy smelly feet of his disciples and the disciples said no lord this isn't right we should be washing your feet and jesus said i'm showing you as an example because this 
is what it's like to have this mind of humility where you realize who you are you realize what you have you realize where you come from and where you're going to and when you realize that just like I do you will be able to serve other people and wash their feet and pour your life out for others and the Philippians got it and I'm praying and believing that we get it you know the world grasps after glory doesn't it the world says let me have fame let people tell me how great I am let me show people by my car and my wealth and my status how great I am and Jesus says I know how great I am because I'm in God therefore I can humble myself and serve other people and that leads to joy you know Hebrews 12 verse 2 says for the joy set before him Jesus endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven it's for the joy on the other side that we lay aside our glory we humble ourselves we don't care if people think that we're weak and poor because we know who we are in God you see the world says joy comes from having possessions joy comes from getting your own way joy comes from all these worldly fleshly pleasures around you money and pleasure and all these things that'll give you joy and Jesus says no it doesn't joy comes from knowing who you are in God laying down your life for others serving them even suffering for them because joy comes at the other side the Philippians heard Paul say this about Jesus they said you know what we've got nothing to lose by giving up because we're a tiny little excluded nobody group we've got no money we've got nothing let's lay aside our worldly glory and let's sacrifice ourselves for the gospel and the cause of Christ and they got the joy other people have had to sacrifice wealth and greatness I want to tell you about two people modern-day people the first is Jim Elliott in the early 1900s he was a missionary he was a well-educated um, successful American man but he had a passion in his heart for reaching the lost for Christ and at the age of 29 he and a few of his friends flew into Ecuador to reach the Ecuadorian native people with the gospel these people had never heard about Christ before and they were uh, warlike people and as soon as Jim Elliot and his friends landed and started approaching these people to tell them about Christ the Ecuadorian people killed them and at the age of 29 Jim Elliot laid down his life and he said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose the second person I want to tell you about is CT Studd he was a wealthy man and he was a great cricketer you know have you heard about the Ashes cricket match between England and Australia have you heard about the Ashes you know what the Ashes is it's a tiny little urn filled with ashes it's a it's not a big trophy it's not a fancy thing it's a little urn and it has a little poem written engraved on the side of it and one of the names in that little poem is stud CT stud was a great English cricketer who played for England as a batsman and played in the ashes against Australia he was from a wealthy background he went to Eton and Cambridge he was a hoity-toity fancy man 
And at the age of 18, he found Christ. And he said a few amazing things. Well, before I tell you what, I, what he said, he decided to give away all his wealth. All his wealth. I mean, he was extremely wealthy. He gave it all away. And at the age of 25, with his new bride, he moved to China to reach people for Christ. And after he'd finished in China, he moved to India. And eventually he moved to Africa. And he died in the Belgian Congo. And when he'd given away all his money, he kept a little bit aside to give to his new bride. And he gave it to her on their wedding day. And she said, I'm giving this away to a missionary organization so that we can serve Christ. And C.T. Studd said, if Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice I can make is too great. C.T. Studd said, only one life soon will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. C.T. Studd said, some people want to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And he gave away everything. Why? Why did he lay aside everything? Why did his wife do that? What inspires these people to reach the world for Christ? Friends, there's only one thing. When we get a glimpse of what Jesus has done, when this mind of Christ is in us, when we see Jesus laying aside his pomp and becoming a servant and washing people's feet, we do the same. For some people, it's wealth and glory that they have to lay aside. For others, like me, I'm happy to lay aside what I had because it was useless anyway. But he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So the Philippians were friends with Paul. More than friends. They loved him and he loved them. They were his favorites. And this is what Paul says to them. Now we're going to see how Paul demonstrated this to the Philippians. He says... If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, this is Paul speaking, because there were these teachers who came and seemed to be all religious and erudite and well-educated and impressive, and they came to Christian groups and they tried to convince them that Paul is useless. He doesn't speak well. He's not, he doesn't receive offerings, so he, he's not very wealthy. Ignore Paul. He's useless. Look at us. We obey all the Old Testament laws. And Paul says, no, no. They, they're having confidence in their own flesh. And then Paul says this. He, he gives them a glimpse of who he really is. Because they'd seen the humble Paul. And Paul says this. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I have more so. Paul says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee, one of the top religious teachers. He says, concerning zeal and religious passion, I used to persecute the church. Concerning the righteousness which comes from the law, I was blameless. Paul had it all. 
He had a, a glistening career as a Pharisee. He had people flocking around him to hear what he had to say. He had money coming in. He had glory and adulation. And he gave it all up for serving Christ. Listen to what he says. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That's the translators being polite. That word is dung. It's a swear word. I count them as dung that I may gain Christ. What is he counting as dung? All the glory that the world offers and that he had. He says that's rubbish. I'm not going to add Christ to all my own greatness and intelligence and education and wealth. No, no. That goes. It's jettisoned so that I may know only him and not rely on my own strength. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, Jesus took hold of me for a purpose to make me pure and like him and to win the world for Christ and to get me to heaven. Jesus got a hold of me for that purpose. I now am laying hold of that as well. I, my whole life is for that same purpose, to serve him, to be made like him, and to reach the world for him. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to have reached that yet, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. Can I challenge you, my dear brother or sister? It doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter what background or race or family social structure of standing you have. It doesn't matter how long you've been at church. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. The only thing that matters is having the mind of Christ, laying aside our glory, taking up the cloth of a servant, laying down our lives for others, forgetting what is behind and saying, God, your purpose. It's not me. I'm dead to my old life. It's you and you alone. And that is the path to overflowing joy. Let me just read one more passage to you. 2 Corinthians 8. Paul talking about this church that he loves so much. He just boasts about them. He's writing to another church. Would you be offended if somebody came to speak as a guest speaker to your church and then they just started boasting about the church that they were at before? It, it's really quite extraordinary. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians, hundreds of thousands, major metropolitan center, 
fancy city, fancy church. He's writing to them in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 8. He says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That's Philippi. That's this little, out-of-the-way, poor, ignored, non-Jewish place that Paul loves. We make known to you the grace of those guys. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, the New International Version says their overflowing joy, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. In other words, they were just super generous. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship or partnership of the ministering to the saints. They were imploring Paul. In Philippians 4, he says to them, when I first left you, no other church helped me, but you helped me when I went to Thessalonica. Then here, he says they sent him a gift again, imploring him, please can we be part of this ministry of reaching the world for Christ. And then later, 10 years after he'd first been there, in Philippians 4, he says, you sent Epaphroditus with another gift for me when I was in prison in Rome. And I'm so grateful for it. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches. So he says, they implored us that, that they could give us some money. And not just money, could partner with us in this ministry. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.